0: Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it might be in your part of the world, you are once again on with The Alignment Show. I'm your host, Don King, and we are here to talk with people who have taken steps to bring their lives into alignment with those things that matter most to them. I'm excited to introduce to some of you. It's not an introduction for regular listeners because he's been on before. But still, I'm excited about this, uh, and I'll be introducing John David Mann to you in just a moment. Let me remind you of a couple of things. Uh, One, I may be a little more scattered today than usual. My uh, uh, severely disabled daughter has been in the ICU for 12 days now, I think. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be at home at the moment, so maybe things will go pretty smooth there but I'll admit I'm a little more scattered than usual and that's not the best on any day still uh, another exciting bit of news we're uh, less than 2 weeks away from the release of the way of the 3-year-old why and uh, so just want to be sure that uh, you remember how to get to that if you have an interest remember the 3 way of the 3-year-old why is a business fable that is aimed at this whole idea of, of living your values to value your life. And so you, you will want to get on that if you can, because folks who are subscribed will be getting the first release. We're just going to put it on our store for the first couple of weeks, and then we'll go wide after that. So be sure that you join with that. Also, if you would like to get show notes from any of our shows, but especially today's show, you can go to um, the Alignment Show website. That's confidencecultivators.com. It's also crawling down there at the bottom. And that will get you information about our guests, what they're up to, how to follow up with them. But having said that, let's see, am I forgetting? getting anything here let's go ahead and bring our guest today on they were on just a couple of weeks ago john david mann and anna gabriel mann Uh, and there was just so much there that we wanted to talk about more plus uh, john is just so prolific i mean in his introduction he says uh, he has been creating careers all of his life Uh, founded a school of food distribution business a graphic design firm two publishing companies Bestselling author. Uh, you know, what hasn't he done? Uh, and so um, he's got two books that have been out practically at the same time. <laughs> We're going to talk about how that happened. But uh, once again, um, let, let's not mess around anymore. I want to bring on our guest this week, John David Mann.
1: John, thank you once again for being here on The Alignment Show. Hey, Don. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me back. I didn't, uh, I didn't totally alienate you the first time, so that's good news. <laughs> well, and you know, we've got a great audience for you out
0: there. I mean, uh, one of our great friends, Peg Duchesne on here, Looking forward to your conversation with the incredible JDM. And I know we've got others that are on here as well. So uh, th- thank you once again. The, the latest book is The Vagrant. but um, And we're going we're gonna to talk quite a bit about how that came about. Uh, you just, not too long ago, released the third book in a trilogy. Uh, And I'm, I'm hoping you've got all those books handy there. Last thing I was in an event with you, there it is. And we've got uh, on my screen, it's backwards. So it says blind fear and it's Brandon Webb and you in, in um, partnership. Um, In fact, one of the things I'm going to go ahead and plant this seed. One of the things I find fascinating about you, John, is that most of the professional writing you have done has been uh, as a co-writer and I hear from a lot of writers that that's some of the hardest writing that you can do working with somebody else. Uh, you've got uh, one book that we want to make sure that we mention about that one uh, that you've written by yourself. But I'm just I'm fascinated by that whole process. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm babbling a little bit here. Let me uh, let me back up and say I mentioned all of those careers that you have started. You, you spawn careers like oak trees, spawn acorns. <laughs> uh, so I'm. I think we talked about this a little bit last time you were on the show, but I'm trying to figure out how you went from a a um, a concert cellist and then all of these various businesses. How did you land on the typically lonely profession that a writing a, a writer
1: is? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it is a lonely profession in, in so many ways, except one, which is that um, when, when you become a writer uh, professionally, when you become a, a dedicated writer, committed writer, uh, you also have the opportunity, which you may or may not take, you have the opportunity to become part of a community of writers, which is some of the greatest camaraderie in the world. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely profession. It is, it is a little bit... Um, little bit psychosis inducing
0: <laughs> <laughs> well and I've always I've always said it gives you an opportunity to poke your nose into all aspects of human experience yes and I suspect just with your diverse background that that's something that was of interest to you but what led to the writing from
1: whatever else it was that you were doing at the time you know it's um, it was a funny funny uh, evolution in the sense that it wasn't intentional, it wasn't like I, I didn't go to college in, you know, in uh, the creative arts, I didn't take an MFA. I actually didn't go to college at all. Um, I never studied to be a writer and never set out to carve that as a career. Uh, I kind of fell into it, but I fell into it, uh, I kind of came by it honestly. My, my dad was a college professor, a musicologist, as well as a, a, an active conductor. My, my mom was a teacher of mythology. Um, in school, Greek mythology in particular. I, I traveled with her in a class of maybe a dozen or so to kids to Greece when I was 13 um, to perform a play by Aeschylus, Prometheus Bound. And uh, weeks before we left, my mom said, "You know, eight of these these choruses, the Greek choruses in the in the sections in the play, really ought to be set to music. I'd like you to write the music." I was like, "Hey, I'm 13. I don't know how to write music." And she was like, "Sure you sure you do? Sure you can." So. <laughs> I did. So I did. I wrote, I set those, those eight courses to music. We performed it in Greece in the theater where the play was originally premiered a few thousand years ago, way up in Northern Greece, which was, which was a wild experience. And um, then I, I kept writing for my mom's plays and then uh, uh, those pieces and a, and a few others bundled together went on to win a, uh, uh, an award in, in New York, an international c- composition award. So I was off in my career as a, as a composer, because my mom said, could you do this for me, like taking out the trash? Could you like write these songs for me? And, um, and writing was kind of like that, Don. It, whatever I was doing at that point in my life, whether it was working with nutrition, natural foods, I was in natural health, I was teaching various schools or I was in various businesses, I always seemed to be the guy who ended up editing the newsletter or editing the article or doing the interview. And then, you know, I I was always kind of the, the English language cleanup guy when I was a teenager and my, my friends and I would have classic teenage parties that went until four in the morning and everybody got drunk. And it was like, bodies falling on the floor. I was always the guy at 5. AM who was walking around picking up the trash and kind of cleaning up. I don't know why, so I guess this is that is the editor in me. <laughs> so um, I I actually spent two decades editing other people's stuff. Um editing articles, interviews, columns, editorials that other people submitted to the various journals that I found in or worked for or worked with. And I learned kind of the the skill set of taking writing that's well meant, but not that great and ratcheting it up to its full potential, mm. elevating that writing so that it starts to sing. And, um, you know, one of the, the, the authors whose writing I tinkered with and, and fixed and, and elevated regularly was a guy named Bob Berg. You may have heard of a little
0: bit about yeah. Bob Berg. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And. <laughs> You know, bit by bit, I just, you know, Bob at one point approached me and asked me i to edit a thing he was doing. And I did. And I edited an edition of Endless Referrals and we did another project together. And then he approached me in 2004 and said, look, I've got this idea for a book. It's like a parable. And I can't write that kind of thing. I tried, took a stab at it, but it's, it's not working. It's not what I do. I'd like you to write it with me, for me, together, as a duo, as a, as a, as a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we did. And um, that wasn't actually my first book. My first book came out just months before, a year, almost a year before, um, which was the memoir of a, of a teen entrepreneur. That wasn't the title. It was called You Call the Shots is the title. And it was the memoir of an extraordinarily successful 19-year-old entrepreneur. And I had a blast writing it. But that was kind of like an expanded version of doing an interview for a magazine. Right. And I was kind of learning my chops in terms of how to how to structure a whole book. And I'd I'd done a bunch of work for other other people where I'd taken their material and chopped it into a book. And so I was getting that skill set down. And when I sat down with Bob's idea and it became the go giver, uh, that is what really launched my career as a writer, because I realized this could work. Um, I can I can write a book and it can it can support me supporting yourself as a writer is is notoriously fiendish yes um sort of asymptotically approaching the impossible but um i figured hey if the goal giver works maybe i can maybe i can make this my career and so i did and now i'm 30 books later wow wow
0: and it it occurs to me i know you've been on um i'm pretty sure i'm remembering correctly you've been on james altucher's um podcast yeah. and of course james is known
1: That was a joy i was a joy i was really it's on my website well it's actually uh we'll get to that but yeah it's worth listening to it was really really fun yeah. we yeah. talked yeah. about fantastic awesome. i mean
0: he he's the guy who's known as the skip the line guy you know in a lot of ways and yeah you, you I, I could see where he would want you on his show because you just embody that i mean <laughs> yeah did the, did the, 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 we hear a lot about imposter syndrome. Is that anything you have ever dealt with? I mean, it almost sounds like if you decide you want to master something, you just jump into it.
1: You know, um, I totally do. And it's, it's, it's not quite schizophrenic, but I suppose it could be approaching that. Now I've used the words psychosis and schizophrenic both. And we're only like 10 minutes into our interview. That's great. Um, Well, that knows where we're going to go next. But it, it's I do have a lot of uh, curiosity and interest and I I did as I've already kind of hinted at I had a mom who was one of those moms who would basically say you can do whatever you set out to do. She didn't say it in those words but 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 she kind of did. Mm-hmm. Um I I I when I was 16 or 17 I dropped out of high school and friends and I started our own high school. And this is like the bumblebee flying because it doesn't know it's you know physically impossible. It, it, a bunch of seventeen-year-olds uh, and eighteen-year-olds who started our own high school up with with uh, uh, an adult whom we interviewed and hired to help us do it, and it was very successful. I've done things that I have skipped the line a lot, but at the same time, I suffer from as much, honestly, imposter syndrome is a good way to describe it. Um, sort of the the twin mental states of total confidence. An abject self-doubt. Mm. Uh, I no human being is a simple thing. We're all complex ec- ecologies of right. uh, thought, spirit, and emotion. Uh, my my screenwriting teacher, who's a wonderful, wonderful man named Hal Crosman, and C R O A S M U N. Anybody who wants to study screenwriting, this is the guy. He is the guy. And I studied screenwriting with him in in, uh, in California. It's all online and on the phone, so I didn't travel out there. Um, for a solid year, just before writing The Go-Giver. And a lot of the skills I learned from how uh, I was able to apply in the the writing of The Go-Giver. But in one of his programs, he has an advanced program, uh, sort of the pro series, he calls it. He has a lot of smaller programs for specific skill sets, dialogue and character and plot and so forth and so on. But he has this pro series. And at the end of it, sort of at the pinnacle of it, he says, look, I've given you tons of skills. But if you want to have a successful career as an A-list writer, they're really boiled down to two. And one of them is constantly improve your writing. Your, your best is not good enough. You have to do better than your best. Be excellent. Excel, excel, excel. Just become a really, really proficient writer. Hone your skill, hone your skill, hone your skill. And number two, don't be a uh, this is a family show. I guess I can't use the word. I'll say don't be a jerk. <laughs> And he clarified or he elaborated and said, you know, contrary to the popular image of the temperamental prima donna, nobody in Hollywood wants to work with a, again, I'll say the word jerk. Um, you've got to be easy to work with. So there's, there's two principles. Become, become beyond excellent at what you do so that your, your, your product is undeniable. Your, your craft is, is irrefutable. And be easy to work with be easy to work with. And uh, so being easy to work with in practice typically translates into being open to other people's critique, other people's suggestions, other people's notes, as they call it in Hollywood. Um, not having the attitude that you know everything, which is interesting because in order to excel, you kind of have to, there are these, these twin mental states of uh, what Neil Gaiman calls having the arrogance of a teenager and the humility of a monk which you, you need in alternation, like an alternating current, to, to be successful at anything, I think. Mm. And I think writing is, is, is kind of like that. You asked about the imposter syndrome. There is not a book that I don't experience somewhere early in the process as an impossible mountain. It's like, this is just not working. I'm working on a book right now, and I just, I've just just climbed out of about three months of being on the verge of quitting because I felt like it was impossible. Mm -hmm. And after 30 books, you know, you think I kind of know how this works. I have some level of of proof that should be telling me. And it does. It does tell me I kind of know how to do this. But that's not enough because we're human beings. Um, I still hit that point. Um, there's a, a, a man named Gene Wolfe, a wonderful novelist, who told Neil Gaiman, one of my favorite writers, Neil, Neil was writing the American Gods book. And he said to, to Gene at one point, I think I finally figured out how to write a novel. And Gene just looked at him and shook his head and said, oh, Neil, you never learn how to write a novel. You only learn how to write the novel you're writing. Mm. And I, I really think that's true. It's like you don't really learn how relationships work. You can learn a lot about how relationship works, how relationships work, but everyone is also unique. Um, you're you're all, you're always learning the one that you're in, because the person that you're with that you're with is unique. Uh, and it's the same way with with writing books. It's the same way with being an entrepreneur. You know, you can start six businesses, ten businesses, and you learn a lot about how that works. And you can be confident and trust in your knowledge at the same time. Don't be a, and I'll use the word jerk. You, know, you have to stay open to the possibility that there's stuff here you haven't learned yet and you don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do
0: you, with a given book, do you run into okay? This will be the last one because this is the one that shows me that I've I've lost it. You know that. Uh, let me struggle to see if I can get. The- no, I hear what you're
1: saying. I hear what you're saying. This is the one that's going to crush me. Yeah, this is yeah. Break.
0: There's the, okay, you know, I've been figuring it out. Parallel thing here. I, uh, in another profession of mine, I've been a profession jumper as well. Yeah. Um, in in the early days of it, they would say, oh, we want to hire somebody with more experience. You know, and and I I kept looking for a gig and then I I got one and then that lasted for about five years and then started looking for the next step. And they would say, well, we want somebody younger with fresher ideas. It's like, you know, there is a a sweet spot, you know, Mm -hmm. now you have figured out the basics of the current profession instead of imposter syndrome. There may be the thing about my best is behind me. I don't want to introduce a new concern here,
1: John. But you know, no, no, no. I've had that. I've had that. And I, you know, it's it's the it's related to the sequel syndrome, which is a a pervasive and at times overwhelming um, pathological condition that creatives in in all in all areas suffer. Probably entrepreneurs too, I, I suppose. Um, so the go giver comes out right in 2008 it it was immediately pretty successful right away i mean it hit the wall street journalist and it was getting a lot of praise and it was it was selling well and it was pretty clear right from the start that this book was going to going to go the distance and 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 it hasn't gone the distance um, and our our publisher immediately offered me and Bob a two book deal for two more deals and one of them was going to be a non non parable book which would be which would become go givers sell more mm-hmm. It's a, it's a book of like 31 little mini essays about the principles in the first book. It's kind of like a companion volume to The Go-Giver. And it's not, even though it's for sales, people in sales, there's a lot of content in there that's really about life more than sales. Life but, is sales, so yeah. Because that's, that, what do you expect? Exactly. That was that. The other book in the two-book deal was going to be a, a second parable. And um, so we did that. And we, I decided I want to make this parable about leadership. One of my favorite topics, as you can tell from the current. Um, and, and so we wrote that parable and the publisher loved it and said, I'm so high on this book. Those are his exact words. I walked to his office one day. Adrian Zackham, and said, I am so high on this book. Um, and the book kind of tanked. It's like a year went by, two years went by and it just wasn't selling. It was kind of selling like like, you know, Lead balloons at a birthday party. Uh, uh, everybody who read it loved it, but not very many people read it.
0: Hmm.
1: And I realized after about three, four years in that I was—I am normally very sanguine, very optimistic, very pretty cheerful guy. It's my natural temperament, but and, and, I, it's, and, and it's my natural leaning, just in terms of my own the personal development work that I've done. It's kind of that's that's who I who I. I started out being and that's who I am even more now and I realized that I had this undercurrent of of depression going on of of, of, of uh of self-doubt and of kind of defeat mm-hmm. it's like well you said it perfectly Or my is my, be, my is my best work behind me mm-hmm. you know because the the sequel just like wasn't working as it turned out short ending to a long story um, we grabbed that book and realized the title was all wrong and went back to our publisher and said, we want to retitle the book. It was called It's Not About You. Mm-hmm. People would look at it and go, it's not about me. I guess I won't buy that one. So, <laughs> And they didn't. We retitled it. I uh, called it The Go-Giver Leader. And I, I, I changed the ending and changed a few things in the book. And suddenly it fit. Suddenly it worked. And the book's done very, very well. And then we wrote another one. And then I wrote another one. And you know, the same thing happened with, with, to a lesser degree, but with steel fear. That was the first novel, first novel I ever wrote, my thriller from twenty twenty one, which I like to describe as a leadership parable disguised as a crime novel, (laughs) because it is kind of all about leadership. If you read between the lines, or you even read right on the lines. It did very well. It was it was nominated for a Barry Award. It got tremendous praise, great reviews, and we were in a two book deal. and I had to write a sequel, and I was like, "Oh crap! <laughs> now what do you do?" You know. So it, I, I think anytime you do something that works, then you inevitably next time around go, "Well, how do I do that but different? Mm-hmm. How do I?" And to make things more challenging. Every time you do something that doesn't work, the next time you're thinking, oh, hell, it didn't work the first time. Maybe it won't. You know, it's like it's like I, I, I've been divorced. Will my next marriage be successful? You know, my book crashed. What about the next book? <clears throat> my business went, went belly up. Uh, do I dare start another? So I, I think that, you know, life is constantly throwing the challenge of uniqueness at, at us. We learn so many lessons from our past experiences and they, we bring them with us. Um, arrows in our quiver, but but, and they help and they help equip us. But it's always new, it's always fresh, it's always different. You never you only learn how to write the book you're writing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, one of the things I wonder, um, I've always heard the best marketing for a book is the next book. Uh, and, yeah. and and you commented. Uh, I I was able to be online for a uh, an in store event that you did not too long ago. Uh, and you come in at the time that you really hadn't planned it that way, but you kind of wound up with two books that were in release at the same time. And now I hear you say you're working on another book the, the, that certainly increases the workload, but does it reduce the anxiety that you don't have all your eggs in one basket? I mean, you know, the vagrant is in release right now. And, and before we run out of time, I want to be sure people know about it and how to get it. But you're also writing the next book. So uh, I've got three or four questions trying to get out here at once, John. How do you swap the hats back and forth? Today I'm talking about The Vagrant. Tomorrow I'm talking about uh, the third Finn novel. Uh, I'm also thinking about writing this one. That increases the stress in some ways, but... On some other ways, it's like, well, I don't have everything tied in this one. I don't have time for imposter syndrome. I'm too busy writing the next one. How does all that come yeah. together? You
1: know? Does it does it reduce the anxiety? No. Okay. <laughs> not really. Not really. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure anxiety is quite, quite uh, the word that I use to describe the state of it. But <clears throat> it, it doesn't, it, it, in some ways... Like my friend Lou Burney, who is uh, 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 one of my favorite novelists currently. Um, Lou teaches at the at the University of Oklahoma, and he just um, he had a, a runaway smash a couple of years back, which was on on, all, on a lot of best of the year lists, called November Road. It was a JFK assassination book. It wasn't about the assassination. It was about ancillary to the assassination. It was about a low level mobster and a, and a and a bored housewife, and it was it was a. Beautiful, beautiful, very moving character study, and it was just enormously successful and years went by and uh, uh, I think it was four years ago, and Lou just came out with his next book and it's it's my the best book i 've read this year mm. called um it, it's called dark ride it 's kind of short it's a magnificent, magnificent uh, thriller um but it, again it's a very human very very wonderful human character study is hilarious and heartbreaking and poignant and just a masterclass in in writing but i say that to make this point lose to in one book at a time and i envy that because i think that that would be easier <laughs> actually because i could put all of my energy in that book and in promoting that book and in thinking about that book and then putting that book to bed and then and lose books aren't in a series mine are in a series um at least the 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 thrillers are so yeah it is it is a challenging path to be juggling book project after book project. It's not that hard to switch hats, surprisingly enough. In fact, in some ways, it's a, it's a blessing. In some ways, it's, it's, a, it's a boon because for me, when I'm working on a book, I work on it and work on it and work on it. I get up at five in the morning to work on this thing and I work on it for hours. There comes a point And this happens multiple times where the best thing I can do right now is put it away Mm. and let it rest. And sometimes putting a project away for two weeks and picking up another project, that I'm just starting and saying, hmm, what will this be like? And let's think about the the seeds of this and just a couple notes and just kind of get it begun, but not actually writing it yet. And then say, "Okay, this is interesting. This is like I've mixed the batter and I'm going to put this over here. And then I'm going to take a walk or take a trip with my wife for a weekend away. and then I'll pick this book up again. And now, and now I'm looking at it fresh and I can pick it up and move it further. And and sometimes rather than that being an interruption or a distraction, it can actually kind of help the let the rhythm of life support the creative process. Hmm. Uh, I think that's the reason that so many people say that travel is a really uh, uh, valuable experience Simply in terms of what you learn, whatever it is that you do, whether you're a writer or an entrepreneur or you're an employee or you're, a, you know, I don't care what. Mm-hmm. You learn stuff when you write, because you, when you travel, because you're in new circumstances, you're in new situations, you meet new people, you're, you've got all kinds of newness. Um, and that's, I think, what swip, switching back and forth does. You mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, um, the writing gives you an opportunity to poke your nose in a lot of places. And that's something that's really been uh, really fun for me in terms of the co-authoring, because a lot of the books I've written have been with somebody else. the the The, the secret of that is that I do all the writing. It's it, it is we don't really co-write. We don't like mm-hmm. I do a chapter, you do a chapter, I do a chapter, you, we we don't we don't do that. It's like I write I write once we've figured out what we're doing, and we've compared notes and we've hashed out a, a sort of a setup or a basic idea. Um, then I go off to my room and I write, I write the okay. book. And then and then we get back together and we and we we, we uh, kibbutz back and forth kibbutz kibosh could be we uh, we kibble back and forth and uh, and and hash things out and develop them further and then there's a lot of collaboration but the writing part I do myself but because I'm doing it with this other person it's taking me into other areas that I have no familiarity with I have no experience with the military except that now I have over a decade's worth of writing military mm. with brand- yeah, I have no experience with how to be a professional chef or what it's like in the kitchen of a diner. But I do now because I wrote the recipe with Chef Charles. And I learned so much about that world from him and from research. You know, every, every new book I do takes me into a whole new area of research. That's Blind sure. fear takes place in a hurricane in, in Puerto Rico. I didn't know anything about Puerto Rico. Or, really, about hurricanes for that matter. <laughs> I do now. And if you read this book, you will too, because that's like every book is an education. Well, and, so I, yeah, it is fun. Let me use that to kind of lead into the vagrant
0: uh, a bit. Been out for what, two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, just brand new. Right, so, um, still got that. Oh, now. yeah, I love that. I love that. So, um, without giving away too much here, it, it is a parable. It, in a lot of ways, is the, I think I've heard you say it's the most, uh, what would you say, most like a novel of any of the parables that you've written, although it's making points. Uh, yeah. It doesn't give too much away to say, uh, I, I hope this doesn't give too much away to say that the simple character winds up in dire circumstances. Uh, can, can we say where
1: he winds up eventually? Sure. So, um, the, so here's the book, The Vagrant. And it is, it's, it is in, in some ways, some profound ways, different from anything I've ever written before. It, it is the most novelistic, I think, of the parables. And unlike most of the parables, we don't stop every five, six, 10, 12 pages and say, okay, here's the principle. Now go on with the story. Oh, here's the principle. going. And don't get me wrong, I love that. I, I've done that in all the Go-Giver books. I did that in, in you know, Latte Factor. I did uh, Out of the Maze. It's great. But this is different. This is just presented like the alchemist as a story. And there are obviously lessons couched within the story, but we don't say, hello, this is a lesson. You know, it's just, you read the story. And it is about a man named Bob. It, it is a, a little bit modeled after the book of Job, Hmm. So you already get the sense that misfortunes are going to happen. <laughs> um, and uh, it's about a young man named Bob who learns within the first two pages that he's just been fired and he's expecting a raise. He's, a, he's the head of a, of an ambitious project at a at a mid-level hospital. He's an IT guy and he's run a whole team of 40 people or something. And he's like done this two-year project that was really great and he's suddenly fired. And he has no idea why. And it's the, it's it's the process of self discovery. Bob comes to realize over time that um, other people don't necessarily see him the way he sees himself. He's kind of a, and I'm going to use the word jerk. <laughs> uh, and this is Bob at the beginning. He's not terribly likable. I think that by the end of the book, he, he's you're going to really feel for for him, and and possibly even like him. Maybe even like him a lot. Maybe even recognize some of yourself in, in, in Bob. But Bob does go through the process of basically losing everything. And it's pretty heartbreaking. Does it have a happy ending? I can't say. You have to read the book. Um, but I will say there are, um, uh, it's, it feels, it was very human, emotional experience writing it. It's, I'm really fond of this, of this little story. And I, I feel for Bob, despite the fact, and maybe even in, in some ways because of the fact, that he's such a jerk at the beginning. Um, you know, I've been a jerk. I, I, it's true. It's not false modesty. I've done like s- silly things, stupid things. I've hurt people's feelings. I've made a man- hash of things in, in my life. You know, who among us hasn't? And I think it's really important to acknowledge that um, uh, without self-castigation, without it being an indictment, of our soul, you know, it just a statement of the reality. There's a point in the book where Bob comes face to face with this inscription. that Somebody has scribbled into, a, into the, the title page of a book he's looking at and happens to be a Bible, in fact. And somebody has inscribed in there, um, humility is when you get your ego in perspective. Humiliation is when you don't and the world has to do it for you. Mm. And, um, you know, i've been through humiliations where the world was saying hello john uh, we'd like to offer some suggestions yes. here <laughs> <laughs> gotta get your attention oh my yeah.
0: well and yeah so one of the things that i'm wondering about the circumstances through which bob goes um, yes and for those out there you know bible scholar types you know one of the differences here is Joe doesn't get himself into these circumstances. You know, a lot of Bob's thing comes out of the humiliation, humility thing. Um, Your co-author, Dan Rockwell, the curiosity here is where did some of the circumstances come from? Was there personal experience there somewhere? And where it wasn't personal experience, how did you do the research to make it? And I'm going to throw in one little side thing here for a very brief period after my last marriage broke up, which was 30 something years ago. Mm -hmm. I was homeless for about a six month period. And um, I didn't have a lot of the circumstances that the persistently homeless go through. But it gave me an appreciation
1: for what they deal with. So where did that come from? Um, So. First off, we start this book. Dan contacted me one day. I didn't know Dan. I knew of him. He was a huge supporter of the Go Giver. We'd been, we'd exchanged a few emails, you know, a few over a decade or two. We hardly knew each other at all. But he contacted me and said, I'd like to write, I'd like to talk with you about writing a book together, possibly. And so we got on the phone. He told me his idea, and I instantly loved it. Said, We're in. I'm doing this. This is happening. And, um, i I like the man a lot he's he's a he's a really decent good man. he's also smart and he really knows his stuff. His stuff is leadership he works a lot with organizations um you know for profit organizations non profit organizations all kinds of organizations and he's masterful at helping people um, l- learn how to lead and learn how to work as a group and he, he's that's his his expertise and he's really really good at it um, so He had a basic story setup idea. He he had an idea for Bob. He was already called Bob. He had an idea for Bob's encounter with this homeless guy, which happens on page one, page two. I'm not giving spoilers. And he had a basic idea for how this encounter would go and sort of the arc of the book in, in broad terms. We went back and forth for a few weeks, maybe a few months, about some story ideas. You we know, well, who does Bob encounter? Because Bob loses his job. We talked a little bit about the circumstances under which he lost his job and about relationship with other employees. And kind of, there's a little bit of political intrigue, the company that Bob's been fired from. And we, we talked that over a little bit. And some of that comes from Dan's experience with organizations. Um, some of it comes from my experience with organizations, but, but more him. But then... You know, Lacy, the ex-girlfriend, and his dad, and the 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 homeless episode, and the shelter, and all that, just developed as the story grew. It wasn't planned out. It just kind of it just kind of grew up in the course of developing the idea. Uh, homelessness, the workings of a shelter, uh, the workings of a hospital, of an emergency room. Of course, I've been in emergency rooms, but I've never been in a, in a homeless shelter. All that was just writer's imagination, and, you know, a little bit of fooling around on the internet. Every book, no matter how simple the book is, even The Go-Giver, that's just like this simple parable. There's always stuff you have to research. Mm-hmm. You know, in The Go-Giver, there's a speech Deborah Davenport gives about uh, how she learned sales techniques from A to Z, and she proceeds to give 26 different sales techniques that start with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. A. Well, I didn't know those things. So I remember when I was writing that scene, I had to go digging around to come up with an actual real closing technique that starts with, you know, Q or with uh, with V or with L. And uh, you're always researching stuff. I had to research what were the uh, leading coffee bean producing companies just for a, a sentence that happens in the go giver. That's part of the joy of writing is you have to go digging and finding stuff out. But a lot of it is, it's just the product of empathy, you know, you're going to write about this woman who is a cancer survivor and you are neither a woman nor a cancer survivor. Can you do it? Yeah, you can because you're both human beings. You can actually write any circumstance, any person, any group because they're all human. And for that matter, you can write a dog, you can write a cat, you can write a beetle because there's, there's a, a, an essence there, a life essence there that, you know, you can relate to anyway. That's, that's what I believe. I believe that, you know, most of it comes out of, out of your imagination, but where that comes out of is empathy. Mm, The empathetic factor. That's,
0: yeah. Wow. That is great insight, John. I'm looking at the clock and realizing I've kept you over time already. I want to make sure that folks know where to find out more. Let's show your website here.
1: There it is. There we are. Okay. And that. Hey, look at that. What a great quote from David Bach. Thank you, David. Yeah. Yeah. The modern day fable of fall and redemption in the spirit of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Cool. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and and, and I, I always forget that we've got folks that are on here audio only. So the website oh. is John David Mann. That's man with a double N.com. JohnDavidMann.com. And whatever his current book is, you're going to find information about it right there. And yeah, that's 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 a great quote from David Bach. We've got uh, f- audio only folks. There's on the screen. We're seeing various uh, quotes. There's one from Daniel Pink. I mean, that's a well-known name. Um, so the Vagrant is the current book. We'll have links in the show notes. Um, I, I'm just I'm going to point people to your website, uh, John, rather than to the various bookstores. Yeah. But I can guarantee you, as you can see right there, now available on various bookstores. I mean, it's, it's a great book. It's easy to get. Um, I, I'm pressed for time, but when I sat down and started reading it, I had to read it all the way through. Uh, to me, that's hmm. the mark of a great story is constantly wanting to know what happens next, what happens next. Yeah, and so just That's held me in there for that. Also want to make sure that folks, uh, folks who are watching on video, an easy way to get there. Where's our QR codes? Here we are. This is that same website, but you can just scan that if you would, would like to get there. And uh, also, it didn't pop up while we were looking at it, but you have a pop-up on there to lead to a book that I have found to be very valuable. The book is How to Write Good or at Least Gooder. Am I saying it right? Perfect. And, and so that leads to, uh, I'm just put the website up there again, because I think we've got, oh, I've got too many things on the screen here. Let's get rid of the QR code. Um, that red dot there. will do it. There we go. Yeah, that would be the free book. Okay. And then there's also John has. I'm not sure where it is at the moment. If you're taking people in, uh, you've got a coaching program.
1: Yeah, we are now taking new enrollments through June 2023. I'm hearing that's out of date. That's out of date. It's actually uh, now current, rolling enrollment because it's is now uh, recast as an evergreen program. Ah, So You can join. Okay. Very good,
0: and I mean this is this is excellent stuff. Uh, You know everything that. Uh, John has learned in practical terms through personal experience, through his, through the training that he has done. Um, I I just can't recommend it enough. So uh, it's one of the reasons we wanted to be sure to bring John on again. And uh, I've already mentioned it. We're over time. You know, we could talk for hours about this stuff. And um, I just, I want to encourage people to go to John's website, look for, several of those 30 books um i i am enjoying reading through the thriller series right now john and i can see the progression of, of how you develop character and, and plot and that sort of thing i mean you're just living out that whole principle of constant growth so uh, uh, as we get ready to wrap up i'm going to ask two questions one is what's next You know, whatever it is that you can think of. And it's not necessarily next book. I mean, if you get tired of writing, are you going to become a a rocket scientist or, you know, what what would be next?
1: (laughs) You know how they say it's not rocket science? (laughs) Um, Well, my son is actually a rocket scientist, Uh so I don't don't need to do that. (laughs) I do not have any progeny uh, in brain surgery, Uh, but. Uh, I mean, what's next for me is right now. I'm really involved, as you said, in this this program. Thank you, Peg. And when I'm in in uh, developing out this program and taking it wider. And that's you know taking a lot of my time right now and a lot of my a lot of my my passion and, and my joy. Um, I'm of course, the 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 next fin book is is cooking. Um, I don't have a, a date for that, but that's that's in process. I'm working on a novel. Just myself a, a brand new novel of new beginning of a new series um that's set in New England and I won't say more about that because I don't have a, a due date on that either but that's what i'm I'm currently working on is is uh is a, a a new novel series um and I guess I'll just mention this that there is a deal if you um uh I have a a newsletter for the Finn series called at the website called webandman.com. And if you subscribe to that news, you just you just read this a few days ago. We have a screen deal in Hollywood for a studio to adapt the Finn books to a TV series. The fact that we have this deal with the studio doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen because Hollywood has a lot of hurdles you have to jump. But it does mean that there is a studio who's put down money and is committed to developing it. And, and it's, a, it's a really great, it's an Emmy-winning studio, fantastic uh, people. So we got a great writer on board. And so the, the Finn TV series is at least halfway between here and Becoming Real. Wonderful. Wonderful. And in fact, talking about what's coming
0: up, you had said before we started, uh, started the broadcast uh, and I'm changing the crawl down here to show that uh, you've got coming up a a live Q&A with uh, you and and Dan. Is that right? You and Dan Rockwell on The Vagrant. Uh, You can find out about that by sending an email, simple old fashioned email to the vagrant at gmail.com, the vagrant at gmail.com. October 19th?
1: 19.
0: Nineteen. Okay, October 19th. So folks, be sure and send an email about that. If you're watching this uh, in the future, you know because that's one of the things about podcasts, they're kind of evergreen. If you're watching this past October 19th, 2023, then uh, I would say go to johndavidman.com to see what's coming
1: up uh, in the future. And chances are good, Don, that we'll archive the video of that, of that uh, that fireside chat that we do. So if you go to JohnnyBerman.com in the future, travel into your into your Marty McFly machine, and uh, into your DeLorean, and go in the future, um, it'll probably be there on my site.
0: On the vacant okay. page. Sounds good. Sounds good. All righty. Well, I, I, we're all uh, as I've said already several times. We're so over time. I think we will wrap it up. Uh, you've got other meetings, and I've got one coming up in less than fifteen minutes now. Well, I just want to thank you so much. That this is um I fanboy all over the place when I have folks like you on, John. Uh, I'll tell you honestly, it's one of the reasons for me to do a podcast. It gives me an excuse to talk with people I wouldn't otherwise get to have conversations with. So thank you okay. so much. Hang out for just a minute. I know last time we did this, uh, I think I left you hanging, but uh hang out just a second and so I can thank you properly and I will bid folks goodbye for this week. All righty. So, folks, wow, what a conversation we have had here. I'm so happy to have had John on. We have great conversations every week here on the Alignment Show. Next week, we're going to have another repeat guest. We will have uh, Tracy Borison, who has been on with us before. Tracy is working on a, a project of the heart. And we said we wanted to bring her back for that so that uh, we could dig into that a little bit more. Uh, that's going to be next week here on the alignment show where we had to reschedule last week. Remember, we were going to have a conversation with somebody who left the nursing profession to become a death row chaplain. Now that's not a great business model. Okay. You know, but, but it's fascinating about how people will, change their lives to pursue the things that matter to them most. So be sure and join us here each week on the alignment show, where we talk about living your values to value your life. That's it for this week's episode of the alignment show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share ConfidenceCultivators.com to spread the goodness and remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.